Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Against the Grain podcast, where we discuss woodworking and the business of woodworking. This is episode number 22 for May 3rd, 2018. My name is Justin De Palma, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Freddie Roman. Hello. And Guy Dunlap. How are you today? Doing well. Good, good. Guy, what do you have going on in the shop? Not a whole lot since I'm finally done with the buffet. It's actually in the house right now, which is nice. Um, I'm still working with those two students on their tables. And the one gentleman finished his last night, as a matter of fact, we put the finish on it, came out really, really nice. And the other guy was here, Mikey, the maker, he was here on Sunday and, uh, we got some very good progress going on his, but he still probably has about another day left. We still have to build the drawer and the uh, runners for it, which which I figure will take about a day to do. Um, other than that, I've been doing a lot of stuff non-woodworking related. My wife actually gave me a to-do list, <laughs> and I actually had to sort it out and prioritize everything. So I'm slowly working through that. A lot, of, a lot of household stuff, you know, fix this, fix that kind of thing. But uh, hopefully I'll get through that in the next two or three weeks. Good. Just in time for a new list to pop up. The honeydew list never ends. Yeah. It, it doesn't end. It doesn't end. She seems to have it timed right at the point when you're ready to start something else, huh? Yeah, I've got, I've got another project in the works that's actually has to do more with YouTube than a, a customer project with a manufacturer. And I've got the plans done, and I actually built a prototype, which was more of a exercise to see if I could actually do what I wanted to do with their product. And I finished that yesterday. So hopefully I'll start building that tomorrow or Saturday or Sunday. Awesome. Good. We'll see. Yeah. Freddie, what do you got going on? Oh, the shop is jam-packed, man. Um, I finished with Steve 50 chairs. They're a production CNC made here in America. And then I have a whole bunch of sheet caning to do for a variety of different chairs. And uh, I'm still organizing the shop and getting ready to do a small run of, of um, raised panel doors. And I'm doing a mitered frame for two basketball court like flooring that's going to be used as wall art. And there's a bunch of other stuff happening, but that's about it for right now. The 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 chairs who so they just found these chairs from some company and they're just giving them to you and um to glue. There is a upholsterer that we do a lot of work for up the street and. Um, he recently found out that I moved in here and uh, the quality can't be produced and we can do more options for finishing and repairs. So he basically asked me if I would like to tackle on the job for 50 chairs for a, a restaurant. And uh, then out of nowhere, he said, well, the guy also wants 450 more if I'm interested. And I said, yes, but with the option to not only glue the chairs up but also to finish them and then the guy said well if you're interested in the 450 chairs then would you be interested in the 500 small like sofa settees 
And of course, I said yes, because, you know, I'm not fearful of failure, I guess. So, you know, there's a very tight time restraint and we we literally earn every dollar because we're putting them together really quickly and we use all the clamps that we have. And um, uh, it's been very productive and is, is very satisfying because they also disappear really quickly out of the shop. So that's good. Um, but when it comes to finishing them, then it should be more interesting because, you know, we do them in 50 batches, 50 seats at a time. So batches of 50. So trying to get that in and out like within a week should be interesting. Uh, but right. the finish is all like staining and top coating in one. And uh, so it probably is going to be like a pre-cut lacquer. And um, it should be good. Uh, I'm not 100% set up for it, but I will be when it comes time to it. Mm-hmm. Nice. How do these chairs prep-wise look? In other words, they should be coming to you completely sanded and ready yeah, to go, co- right? You just glue Yeah, they're completely everything. sanded. Now, they're, they're like anything else, everything's CNC cut. But, you know, there's some slight misalignment and you have to go ahead and like chisel it out, the extra material or sand things out. And that doesn't take that much effort, but there is there is some extra time there. And then occasionally the holes are not exactly perfectly bored in depth. So um, Steve decided to go the route of cutting about an eighth of an inch off on certain dowels. And I went the route of making the holes deeper by an eighth of an inch or more to make sure that everything is nice and tight because the the tack rail is called which basically is a rabbited curved section where the the panels of fabric will be housed need to be nice and tight so usually on these projects some a lot of it gets hidden by fabric but certain sections does not so when those sections are very important to be nice and clean no no glue squeeze out it's kind of interesting because Steve went the route with high glue because in case there's any squeeze out, he can go ahead and quickly brush and clean that all out. I went the the yellow glue version because then I can go ahead and control how much glue I need and not worry about uh, tack time and also any squeeze out because I didn't want to brush anything. So I did very little glued up cleanup, if any, actually. And um, so we went at different routes, but we got it all done. And uh, we were clicking at about three or four an hour on the first day and the second day we we're doing about five an hour and then um to make things more efficient we decided to glue all the front rails together then assemble all the backs together and then attach the sides so it was quite a production process it worked out really well yeah yeah i saw the pictures of on instagram and your stories and everything it looked like it when the first picture I saw, it looked like somebody just dumped a big truckload of parts. Basically. It looked like a big mess. Well, unfortunately, what happened was everything came on a skin, and I have no idea why, but the skin wasn't well built. So we put it on a cart, and the next thing you know, the skin decided to just crack and fall over. <laughs> so, you know, that, that delayed things a little bit in the beginning. Uh, I hope next time we'll be – Either leave it outside or get a better um, skid so it doesn't break out. But it should be interesting. The next batch um, are going to be similar. There's going to be different um, adjustments. Like the crest on this piece was laminated poplar. There's at least 20 pieces of veneer that made the curvature and the radius of this. And the problem with the veneer that they chose is that it was poplar. So there's sections that are white and sections that are green. So that mm-hmm. adds to the finishing process because you have to make everything kind of 
harmonize. Uh, the next one is going to be hard maple, and it's going to be uh, finger jointed, which is great. But at the same time, it's going to add a lot of heft to the the chair. And um, doing a, doing five or six chairs is okay, but it's like on the eighteenth one that I did on Monday, it was kind of like Jesus, my arms are very sore and everything else. So it kind of becomes very tiresome, and uh, so it should be interesting. Um, and I'm excited for it. Good. That's about. It looks like a lot of work. It is. Yeah, it really does. You know yeah. what? What's great about it is that we're still trying to produce a product here in America, which is what excites me. It comes from North Carolina. It comes from a factory that has over a hundred employees, and they're just trying to produce as much furniture here for seating, like any sofas and everything else. And they have a line of furniture, and you can pick. Um, whatever you want. Usually uh, the majority of it, it's maple, but they even offer walnut and mahogany. It's all production. And it's pretty amazing the quality that comes from there. And they're extremely accurate and similar in proportions and shape, which is spectacular. Nice. Nice. How about you, Justin? Uh, It's been a busy, busy week for me. Uh, Where did this start? I started off with... I did a while ago that tile in the trim, the little detail. So mm-hmm. I finished that up. I grouted it. I installed that yesterday. Um, I don't think it's going to fall off the wall because it's literally just glued onto the drywall. Uh, I just used um, hot glue to just get it to stack and or uh, tack and stay there, and then a construction adhesive that uh, is going to hold the rest of it. Yeah, I don't. Define. I've never had an issue with this adhesive at all so i use it all the time for my cabinetry and usually it sticks once it's there for 10 minutes you can't get it off so i got that uh it's been an install week this past week um i installed the gray table with the bench the floating bench which which came out really good uh everything looks really sharp it's a cool little house a 13-sided little like vacation home in cape may new jersey which is a little short town here but really, really neat. Um, and then the base that they did, they did a, he had a, uh, like an, a steel base made for it and just the look of it and everything. I got to post pictures, but very sharp. And then yesterday I went and replaced some warranty work that I had to fix. That's been sitting in my shop. And what else did I do over the weekend? I built a pine dining room table, which was 10 foot by four foot thick with breadboard ends that left today. And then I also built a little, it's just an interior pine door, flat panel door for somebody that's making one of those sliding barn doors, but they needed a certain size. So I made them that. And that was today's little object or project of getting that sanded and ready to be, to go out the door to them. So that's done too. So it's been a very productive week for myself. Sounds like it. Yeah. And I haven't even, I haven't had time to think or do anything. I had a meeting today. I had a meeting I think last Friday with the board of education here in town, they want to do a big conference table, which will be nice, um, which is good. Yeah. Because they're the same people I did over the summer last year, a bunch of science lab tables for the school. So Mm -hmm. I remember that at the rolling tables. Yep. Yeah. And they look, they want a conference table that rolls around. So it's really, yeah, it's, they, they called me up and said, can you come look at this? We have a table that, we have now it doesn't work very well 
So, and it turns out it was a fixed table that somebody put some like uh, trailer jack-up things, you know, the things on the front of a trailer for jacking mm-hmm. them up on the wheels. Well, yeah. they put four of those on there and that's what you <laughs> lift it up and move it up the ground. And it was a fixed, it was actually a fixed built-in unit that somebody cut out. And the guy like, this thing's a little odd. And like, he, he pulled back the curtain from where it was sitting on stage and I was like, oh, Oh, huh. and he goes, you're priceless. <laughs> uh, I mean, the the top that's on it is a, somebody at one point made a Corian top to go over this thing. And I said, we can reuse that, but I'll make a whole new base and I'll make it so it's easily to move and put back together and assemble and disassemble, which is their biggest issue right now. So, and then today was another job for a, a built-in and they're a longtime customer of mine. And I went there and, I said, before we do that, I said, we got to talk about your front door, which <laughs> since, since they moved in the house, they haven't refinished it. And they asked me last year about building a door for them. They didn't like the price. And today I more or less said, look, you need a front door. So I committed, got them to commit to a front door and some built-ins in the house. So it worked out well today. Awesome. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good. Yes. <clears throat> so no things fun. are moving along. Ah, yes. Actually, they came and picked that up today and they dropped off the last little bit of this loading. I'm not sure if I'm done, but as of right now, I'm done with foam. So 60 pieces. So I'm thinking maybe 12 more hours of work and I'm done. But Mm -hmm. it's funny. Delivery guy said something today. He goes, how do you cut this stuff? I said, like this. How long do you take to do this? I said, ah, that's a trade secret. I'm not telling you that. (laughs) I says, I'm going to wait till you guys come calling me for questions then i'll sell you the information <laughs> but, but it sounds like if they gave you another contract for another truckload of it you would do it oh yeah without a doubt yeah Especially well you're all set up for it now you have, you, have thing, it. you have things all figured out kind of yeah oh that's it's it's tight the the in the sense that all my specs i think are better than they could ever do so and then if they ever found out the actual timeline that I'm doing stuff, they'd be amazed as well. Hmm. But for two guys to pump it out as fast as I am, they don't, they, they won't believe it. I don't think well, you have all that automated equipment now. Yeah. All your little robots. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yep. That's amazing. You do crank it out. I mean, I'm quite impressed. Sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. But it, it was nice to do the, the pine door and table, both of them, both of them were unfinished. So it was just get them built type thing. Mm-hmm. So, and the pine table was for a friend who they didn't have a big budget. So I more or less just had to glue the table up. I didn't even sand it for him. I just was like, here, this is what it's going to take this and sand this much of it. <laughs> so, yeah, it was nice. It just, you got the work done and then out the door it goes. Yeah. There's, right. there's something to be said about that. That's why those yeah. chairs are like, you know, like they, once you were done, literally you give them a call and the, the largest transit van comes in and just loads them up as, as quickly as we can possibly get them in. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause typically there's three, four more steps and this is it. Oh, I'm done already. Exactly. Goodbye. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty nice. So that's it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, before we get on today's show, do we want to talk about the Patreon? Sure. Uh, we have two new patrons this time. It's Antoine. I am going to butcher Antoine's last name. Poitras, maybe? P-O-I-T-R-A-S. I'm sorry, Antoine. Uh, and Jeremy Turner. Uh, thanks so much, guys. We do appreciate it. And 
as always, our top patrons are Peter Escobedo, Tab Adams, Eric Cole, Dean Cross, Carrie Darden, Cole Roberts, Sean Raymakers, John Ross, Aaron Fox, Stephen Karinich, Karinsich, sorry, Stephen, and Luke Hatterberg, and as always, Larry Grobner. Larry. And we, we do appreciate your patronage, guys. Again, it, it really helps us out. Thank you, everyone. Yes, thank you. And then did we talk about in the last show how we did our Patreon-only show? I'm not sure if we brought that up, but. I don't think so. Oh, the, uh, the live? Yeah. No, we didn't. It was, was a lot it, of fun. It, it was fun. It was good to talk, chat with a couple of you guys and get to know you a little bit more personally. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I was glad all the tech stuff worked out well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, it was very interactive. It's very nice to be able to talk to people that, that listen to our podcast regularly. It was a, it was a treat. Yeah. It was nice to get information about them instead of them just getting information about us. Mm-hmm. So, that was good. I look forward to the next one. All right. Um, this week's show, I, I guess we're calling it keeping track and this is more my topic, uh, for you guys. And we've, we've covered this briefly before, uh, but I wanted to dive into it because every time, every year, this time of year, it just, it, it gets back in my mind where I end up doing taxes. And I just think about the whole process of how I go about doing everything, the whole, everything on the bookkeeping side of my business. And it just makes me wonder if I should rework it or stick with what I have or just do what I should be doing with what I have. I don't know. So I figured I'd talk to you guys about it and maybe we'll get some feedback from some listeners eventually. Good. That's a good idea. So who who wants to start with this? (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty broad subject yeah, and a yeah, broad question. Yeah. Uh, for for me, it's my my business is a little bit different. I do, you know, a few commissions here and there, but the bulk of my revenue stream comes from social media. So it's a little bit different. Um, and my process for for like taxes, <laughs> you're going to hate hearing this, is I I give it to my wife. <laughs> And my wife does all my taxes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But as far as keeping track of the individual projects I have, I've, I have a, a pretty extensive background in project management and just management in general. So <clears throat> I know what's important to keep as a cost for an individual project versus what is what you would consider um, uh, goods and administration of the business. So things like glue, sandpaper, I don't include that in my projects. But every time I buy something for a project, whether it's online or at a store, I just keep a receipt and I have like an envelope. I put all the receipts in and I mark that envelope, you know, project A. Mm -hmm. And then I keep track of my time on 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 a separate spreadsheet. And at the end of it, I'll put all that stuff in there and I can kind of de- derive my cost from it and then, you know, figure out what my final profit margin is. It's pretty simple. And like I said, and then I just hand that stuff over to my wife. 
easy for me. Mm-hmm. That's so, good. so uh, uh, you're you're just doing everything pen and paper, more or less. Pretty much, but I do not do the the volume that you guys do. True. Yeah. So, and like I said, most of my stuff is online. So I get payments from, you know, sponsors and vendors and things like that. So the production costs, I figure just as a, as a daily expense. And I build that into uh, a pro, a, uh, let's say I'm doing a, a sponsored video for somebody and I'm, I'm building something for them. I know I've got like three or four days in the shop. I know what my costs are associated with that. I can figure my labor burden in, but there's really no material cost, so to speak, because all that's being billed to the sponsor. Yes. If that makes sense. Right. Um, Okay. And I keep track of that. And it's basically on a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. And it's just very easy for me to open up a tab and I have a, a blank template in there. And it's just, you know, money coming in, money coming out kind of thing. And I can get a, a, a pretty quick um, calculation of where I am on it. Gotcha. And those, those always pay pretty well, believe it or not. Um, as far as a time versus revenue. Okay. So I, I, you know, as this, this conversation goes on, I'll, I'll chime in when I actually have something <laughs> relevant to say to what you guys are doing. Cause I said, I, I do, I, I was exposed to uh, PNLs for a number of years. I have a good understanding of uh, basic accounting and things like that. So I, I hopefully I can contribute some, but I'm okay. really interested, interested to see how you guys do it because your businesses are, are much larger than mine. And a different business model too. Mm-hmm. Right. You want to go, or you want me to go, Freddie? Well, it doesn't matter. How about I go? <laughs> because then Freddie's will make a lot of sense, and that's what I should be paying attention. To. <laughs> uh, I I will say I I think my first biggest issue is uh, I really need to get an accountant, <laughs> but. Um, <clears throat> So I, I am very similar to what you do, Guy. In other words, I have a file for that job. I keep track of I keep track of the job's costs for everything and not necessarily so much the my time invested into that job. Because I already figured the job and this is what it, it basically has to take. It doesn't matter what it takes. But um and that's basically how I just break the two down. The profit and uh, material cost, more or less. Very simple. Um, and then there's a file, and at the end of the year, I just have the totals, more or less, and split everything up to where it has to go from there. Um, I do have a question for you, though. Um, yeah. Do you pay yourself, and then whatever's left goes into the the business? No, and I think that's one of my issues. Yeah. Because that's what we were talking before about the, the the costing of projects, and I kept saying, you know, labor burden and you know the thirty five dollars an hour, and you guys are saying that's too cheap. That's the money you actually pay yourself as like a paycheck, mm-hmm. where it will come out of the business, and you write yourself a check from you know De Palma Enterprises to Justin De Palma as a 
you know, like I said, a paycheck. And then yeah. you just got this pot of money sitting somewhere else. Um, and that's your profit. Which that is what I'm going to go towards. I'm doing that. That's the next phase of this growing of my business, I guess. But um, yeah, I, 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 I've looked at QuickBooks and I've always just looked at it and I'm like, Ugh, this seems way more complicated than I need it for my process of me just dealing with me and nobody else, right? I, and I've always thought, all right, if I had somebody else to deal with in the business, like an employee or something, then yeah, it would make sense. But mm-hmm. I don't know. But even for yourself, when you're when you're trying to figure all that stuff out, and in a, in a, in a cash based accounting package, what you're what you're doing is you're putting the different expenses into different categories, which are right. all taxed different rates. Right. So Instead of me having you, to do like you're doing at the end of the year and split all up and figure it out through a bunch of receipts and all that, which I, I have files for that and I just throw them in that file. But supposedly with the whole uh, QuickBooks or something like that, it just puts it in there and I don't ever have to worry about it because it's happening at that point. So Yeah. And I think it, depending on how you put it in, it'll automatically code it for the different uh, – Accounting codes. Yes, from what I've been reading with everything. Yeah. And I think, Freddie, you use QuickBooks, don't you? Yeah, so you'll have all my answers for this. (laughs) But um, let me hear what you have to say, Freddie. I'm curious. Well, um, I have QuickBooks online currently, and I've been having it now. Which is what I have. I've been having it now for about three years. And the reason why I chose QuickBooks online is at one time I had the QuickBooks desktop and you had to punch every transaction in. And that was very painful if you didn't do it on a regular basis. And it kind of defeated me Mm -hmm. saying that by the time I punched everything in, it's quicker for me just to grab the shoebox of stuff and like put them on pile, staple them and do the math. Versus punching everything in, but, which is where I was always considering it as well. Or you point. just you just have a wife that does it for you, right? <laughs> and <laughs> we're not all that lucky. But the new uh, at the time, the new option was online. It was very reasonable, and the main reason why I chose it is that every time like I, I logged in, it uploaded my transactions and I connected it with the bank. So then all I had to do is choose what folder each transaction went to. So right there by, how does it know? How does it it know what transactions you've done? Is it like a automatic thing tied to your credit card? Well, first of all, I have my bank account tied into it. So mm-hmm. I and my bank account basically is all business. So I have that involved there. And then I have my bank account that I use for taxes, which money gets transferred into it. And then I have my two credit cards I use for my business. All of that's tied into mm-hmm. it. So any transaction, it's uploaded. Anything I pay to the uh, credit cards, uh, it matches from what it uploads. So it constantly knows what's happening. There's an algorithm that's in the system that notices you've previously done this before. 
This appears to be the same uh, concept or folder that you would want this to be in. Uh, we recommend this. Do you approve? And you can proceed f from there. Um, so it reconciles all that for you automatically. Yes. And then that's pretty cool. Once, once you've done it cool. once or twice, yes. you're saying. Yeah. And then right. what okay. also happens, what's the advantages of it now is that now with my subcontractors, I can put all their information in the system. So now it automatically, at the end of the year, I can print out one form and here's your 1099. I'm done. I don't have to remember what happened, who I paid what to. It automatically does it for me. And then the major benefit from this is that the majority of all accountants only use a PC for desktop QuickBooks. I use a Mac. So there was a big red mm -hmm. flag there. So the other concern was then I should get another computer. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that now just to have my accounting right. process. So then this feature on QuickBooks came up and says, why not just let your accountant tap into your um, your uh, QuickBooks and have her regularly check in, make sure everything's going through properly, inform you when you have to pay your taxes, um, let you uh, gives you notations on, Hey, you know, you did this wrong on this transaction. It should have been in this folder. I'm going to add these costs of good folders for labor, subcontractors, material, tooling, inventory. Or she also informs me like, okay, you listen, you just did an upholstery job. You forgot to, to collect taxes on that. We want to, you know, refine that, make sure that you do that properly on the next time around. You only can do this so many times before they start, you know, getting on top of you. So she has a capability of correcting all that. So that saves me a lot of time. She also has a capability of correcting all my books. And now it's up to you to feel comfortable and open-minded to that. But this is why I pay her. Uh, she's in the great accountant mm -hmm. and she has a capability of getting all my books, all my credit cards and everything else uh, the way it's supposed to. Like I literally, uh, when I first started, gave her folders of all my last three years of credit card usage and bank accounts. And she reconciled everything accurate to the penny and making sure where everything was. And she highlighted a question, nice. everything off. And when there's one customer who didn't want to pay me many years ago, you know how to write that all off, write that off as a loss. And there's, there's, there's options for that in the government that you can go ahead and, you know, you're not making money, you're not getting the money back, but you can also say, listen, this, there was an issue. There's a loss here with the customer relations. You, it automatically can write that off for you. So she was very beneficial for me when it comes to a variety of different things. She's actually made me money, which is what a CPA needs to do if you're going to hire one. Right. Um, right. So besides, I do. I do have a question. I do have a question for you. If, do you mind if I interrupt you no, for a ahead. second? You mentioned before about inventory. So. Your business is a lot different than mine, obviously, and, and probably a lot different than Justin's mm -hmm. too. But what kind of inventory do you keep? I mean, are you talking about like your screws and hardware and wood and things like that? Or are those considered job materials? Um, <clears throat> those are called... I mean, do, do you have to do like a physical inventory once a year or do you do quarterly or do you have to do inventories to determine what the dollar value of those pieces are. I do more of a dollar value of what my inventory is. 
And so when I purchase items from old hardware, uh, I put in there, it's like I purchase, you know, 20 boxes of screws. And I said each screw, each box averages out, you know, this much. And there's an average of 100 screws per box. And then when it comes down to when I write up slips for a client, it literally one of the options says four screws, you know, were used for this at this amount. And, um, you know, I... So it automatically reduces your inventory. Yes. But, do, I mean, do you have to, I know these are stupid questions, but, you know, it's the operation side of me. Um, do you have to do an inventory? No, I don't have to do an inventory. To, you don't have to do any type of inventory. I, I wouldn't be wanting to count no, all those screws. I don't have to do this inventory. And then they can be <laughs> also listed under cost of goods, materials, and supplies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's that yeah. option as well. You know, some of the stuff that I have is more specialty. So it's kind of a, I have inventory on that. If I buy a box of drywall screws, that's just you know cost of goods supplies. Sure. Know? But sure. if I'm talking about number eighteen size screws that are four inches long, I only have fifty of them. Uh, I am going to price those at a what they cost me with a profit margin because of the rarity and the specialty uh, product they are. Yeah, so you're actually showing that as a as a sale, not as a uh, just a cost of doing business. I shouldn't say cost of doing business, but a a cost of the project. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I do that. Okay, you know, and then obviously the QuickBooks at the end of the year, or as you progress forward. Uh, you can quickly see how many how much taxes are going to cost you because as you plug everything in and you write everything off, if you still see a profit, basically your your account can be like, listen, you're going to need about six or eight thousand uh, dollars on file to pay for your taxes because it looks like you made X right. this year. So those are the things that that allows you to do and also it gives you a chart of an accounts that they you know for postage uh shipping and handling uh packing material uh you know lumber uh, plywood veneer you know i break it all down that way you know shop uh uniform clothing that i only use for the shop you know i break all that stuff down so that when she has to put those in categories uh everything's there she can quickly reference that yeah, your costs here, in a typical P&L, you'll see a thing that, that you'll, some people, they'll call it above the line and below the line. Mm-hmm. And your above the line is your actual projects themselves, the cost of the materials, the cost of labor, any costs associated with that project. And then your below the line is your SG&A cost, which is your things like your your services, goods, and, or sales, goods, and administration. So you may have, uh, you know, your salaries in there, your electric bills, um, the rent, yes. all that stuff, all the utilities. And you've got, you know, a, a cost and a profit from the projects. And you've got a cost for the rest of the, the stuff that's just associated with the business. And then you just, you know, put the two together and then this is my bottom line or my net profit. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that stuff, but it's, it's neat that QuickBooks does that automatically and you don't have to code each thing. So yeah. when you use the credit card that's tied to your bank account, 
it automatically knows you've purchased something from somewhere. And I, I think it's really interesting to see that they're able, that that program is able to determine what is a part of the business or a part of the project, or do you have to code that? when it comes in, it's going to ask you, you know, is this part of a project or is it, you know, just an expenditure for the business? Um, I don't have to code that me personally now, but other people I know do code it. Yeah. So example, I guess like, so for example, you go to home Depot and you're buying something for a project. You just need something for that project and you spend 50 bucks. How does QuickBooks know to attach that to a certain project well it, it all depends quickbooks you can you can have it set up so that there's a there's a there's a you can break it down per project if you wanted to um or you can mm-hmm. just break it down to this is cost of goods for uh, a job and it's up to you how deeply you want to track that and how much um detail you want to put into it you know as as but that's what I was saying. You have to, you have to tell it. That. Yes. You have to tell it that you have to look at, you have to look at the receipts, not necessarily the physical paper receipts, but the receipts online and say, this gets coded to a job. This gets coded to my business. Yeah. Cost. If you want to do a, a profit and loss. Yes, that's perfectly fine. If, if that doesn't really matter to you because I'm not a contractor, I'm not pricing out huge jobs. I'm in the repair business. I don't have to do any of that because there's so many, things okay. that so many pieces I'm working on so many so many aspects that's necessary that it's more of like I need a can of shellac or I need a can I use a can of toner I use five sheets of sandpaper and stuff like that that's more what I do and that's more of a cost of goods materials and supplies yeah so you don't you don't figure out the the, the actual cost of each repair job no. you're doing okay okay well I do I I think, and I, and I think, but I think Justin would, you would probably do that with what you're building, right? I, yes, yes and no. Um, I see what Freddie's saying and I do a lot of kind of like what Freddie's talking about mm-hmm. more or less. He has a spot and he's like, this is the supplies for it. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Freddie. This is all my supplies. This is all what that job cost. Right. And it just bloop. There it is. And that's kind of what I do with it. Um, I've also done where I just have what I call shop supplies, which more or less a lot of stuff falls into that. So if I go buy screws, right, mm-hmm. shop supplies or glue, right, not necessarily it's a specific job. I'll just have a file that at the end of the year, this is what my shop supplies cost. And yeah. that's how I use it to deduct it out of taxes and all that stuff. Um, but but I, I think the way you're speaking of it, Guy, and the way that Freddie does it, it's going to be hugely beneficial for me to do it that way. Just because I, there, there's more ways to break it down and let me, and I don't, this yeah. kind of sounds like it's going to come off wrong, but I, I'm getting overtaxed for things that I shouldn't be getting taxed for. Correct. I think. Yeah. Right. And figuring out the individual costs. It's, it's just a matter of whether it's overhead or project cost. two completely right. different things. So right. it's like you go to Staples and get some paper for your printer. Well, that's overhead. Mm-hmm. And that's a below the line cost. It's just a cost associated with having a business mm-hmm. versus something that's associated with a certain project. But it's, right. it's 
if you're building stuff like you are, Justin, I think it, I think it would be hugely beneficial to know what your individual costs are at the end for each project and your profit. Cause then you can look at it and you can say, well, you know, I did this project, I just built in for somebody and I spent this many hours and boom, 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 boom. And you can break down the cost and then you can try to figure out how to make the next project better and increase your profit margin. Mm -hmm. Well, I, essentially I do that on, on paper. Yeah. And to do that requires some kind of project management software. Um, and most companies will have a separate software package that, that does all that. They're usually really expensive. Right. Well, it all, it all depends again, because for me, I have a, I have a, uh, a form that breaks down every single section that I do for stripping and sanding and refinishing and repairs and hardware purchase. And, uh, it breaks every finishing the layering, uh, the glazes, the toners, I have it all catalog, you know, broken down on a sheet and then you can use that sheet as a reference for how many hours you spent on it and then how much you bid on it with all the customers mm -hmm. uh, contact when the project was started, when the project ended. And it gives you an option for, you know, comparing uh, how well you did or if you've, you've lost anything. Yeah. Book, booked margin versus actual margin. Yeah. Right. Usually they're basically is a job ticket yeah. in the job ticket. I'm, you know, has on the back, you know, the date, the work performed, the time, the amount of employees, the expenses for replacement parts, um, or their other expenses. And there's a section for stripping, preparation, repair, yeah. staining, finishing, miscellaneous touch up total labor um it has that all broken down even to the point of like repairs it's broken down into carving veneer turning the rungs in a chair the molding any random parts any drawer parts and you it has it just broken down so much that i i use that a lot yeah <laughs> trying to get someone like steve to use that that's a different ball well i got that that and that's that was part of my question too that what you're doing well kind of by hand there's software packages out there that'll do that and those are like mm -hmm. project management softwares not necessarily for time to contact customers and things like that which they also do which is uh, almost a, a customer relationship manager kind of thing but also just so you can input your costs for that and it, it's tailored for your business and like I said those are typically fairly expensive programs but they're out there that'll do that i my my best friend's a mechanic and i know that they had a and i want to say it's like a standardized book like it should take you this long to replace spark plugs in the motor right mm -hmm. and that's all yes. they did was charge you by that hourly rate that it said it should take you to do that and he, mm -hmm. he says hey sometimes we do it really fast and he says that doesn't matter this is what going rate for it type thing which yes. Freddie is basically, you've done the same thing. Now, Freddie, is that something that these are all times and everything you figured out over time doing it from trial and error? Or did you have somewheres that told you these are what you should be charging? No, these are just from trial and errors um, because unfortunately each person is slightly different. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it also depends on what product you're using. Like a perfect example, you know, how many coats can you brush on on a day of shellac? 
And so it's like some people say, oh, you only can do one a day. And I say, no, that's not true. You can do two a day. And then if you use lacquer, say like pre-cut lacquer, I can recoat in every 15, 20 minutes and I can have four coats in a day done in the, mm-hmm. in the pieces out the next day. So it also depends on, you know, what product I'm using. Mm-hmm. So all those play a factor in how much things are being estimated for. And that unfortunately takes a lot of time Mm -hmm. and I have systems that I'm developing, which takes time saying, let's do two coats of shellac after a dye uh, and then possibly a stain. And then we're going to put two coats of pre-cut lacquer on top of that. I like to turn around this piece within three or four days versus uh, seven days, say, for example. So does this sound like I'm kind of where you were at five, six years ago, Freddie? Uh, yes, basically, I'm shocked that you never you don't have an accountant. And the reason why I say that is um, my accountant says that you have a 10% chance or less to get audited by the IRS if you have an accountant, a proper accountant. Yeah. Uh, so that's a big red flag for me. I didn't want to get that just in case I screwed something up. And, and um, you know, it doesn't – I used to save all my receipts – and everything else, but long long time ago, I listened to a um, I listened to a issue or not issue like a podcast by uh, Woodshop One Hundred One, and uh-huh. Brian Brian McCauley was on that podcast, and he worked for the IRS as an auditor, and he's the one who basically said in that issue. Don't save your receipts, especially if you have something like QuickBooks. It tracks everything. Right. If you're using a credit card and everything else, you can just toss them out unless you're going to return something. And everything's there for you. Everything is reconciled for you and everything can be referenced. So there's no gray area. Yeah. So it's to your advantage there to also have the QuickBooks. I actually think Brian worked for the FBI. In that one, he said the IRS. Really? I thought he had, he had mentioned a couple times he worked for the FBI and he was doing some kind of investigative uh, auditing, auditing or something, or something yeah. like that. Which I I may uh, be mistaken. I might have dreamt that. Sorry. I it, it, No, I think you're right, Guy, because I have a cousin whose husband does that same thing. So I think he does exactly what Brian does, where you're basically – Auditing for the IRS, but you're through the FBI some weird way. I don't, yeah, know. I don't know. It's a bunch of letters that I don't want to get involved in. <laughs> so, Brian, well, um, let us know. Let us know the, the yeah. real story. Since we're talking about that episode, I think it's episode number 70. Because I looked it up earlier, and I think it's episode number 70. And I, I highly, highly recommend that. Um, it was. I, I remember listening to it. It was very good. And it, it's it's like I like I said in the beginning of the show, it's I I constantly think about it and then it goes on the back burner and then this time of year comes around and it's just like, oh man, I gotta do this. I really do. And it, it's it's happening now. So yeah, and the thing is uh, accountants, it sounds like a very expensive proposition. It really isn't. It's not yeah. it's not cheap, but it's not like outrageous, not here where I live anyways. It, it may cost you a couple hundred bucks here or there yeah. for them to, right. to look at that stuff for you. Um, I was wondering about the cost of the QuickBooks online. Do you, can you share that with us? So, uh, well, here's what I can say is that uh, I did, I do TurboTax, right? Or I did it this year. It's free. It came with it for free. Yeah. 
So, um, Freddie, I don't know you, if QuickBooks, you, you actually that's Quicken. QuickBooks is different. I'm pretty, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Freddie? How much do I pay? Yeah. Do you mind me asking for QuickBooks no, online? Oh, QuickBooks online. I pay once a year and, yeah. um, yeah. I think it's like thirty something dollars. It was a little less, actually. I think as you pay for the whole year, it costs like twenty eight, twenty nine dollars. Uh, oh, I was gonna say for the year, that's pretty cheap. <laughs> now, the only thing to be aware of is if you choose QuickBooks, you can easily go up on different levels, but you cannot go backwards because the way their their software works. There's no way of saying, oh, I don't really need all these perks. I'm not really taking advantage of it. It's kind of like, well, I'm sorry to say you can't you can't go down anymore. What kind you of what kind of add-ons do they have? So you have the basic just, package and then you're saying there's add-ons. Can you give me an example of what those add-ons might be? No, I can't. Off the okay. top of my head. All right. So Fair uh, yeah, I, I I so I just looked it up. It is QuickBooks I have. Self-employed it's called. Mm-hmm. Um and just like Freddie, they do sell the desktop versions, which is what I mine's free because it came with the TurboTax more or less. And the the desktop version is what Freddie. It sounds like Freddie used to use, mm-hmm. but now the on the online one connects with everything, and it's all cloud based, basically, right? So, yeah. well, you know, and just like Freddie, <laughs> you can get your account to, to log into it and see what you're doing, and and hopefully the Russians will never hack it. Yeah, that was a joke. So, I'm sorry. No, I it, no, and it, I'll be honest with you. I mean, years past. That's why I never used it because of the whole. That's scared, that's online. I'm not touching. That it. That scares the hell out of me. Yeah, I mean, having, having me a too. third party have access to my my bank account numbers and routing numbers and things like that. But that's that's just me. I'm kind of old school. No, you're you're exactly right, and I. I mean, I signed up for all of it, and I I've been playing with it. And I'm like, man, this is asked for information that nobody else really asks for, right? And it's just like, ooh, this is scary. Mm-hmm. And and really, the reason I've been willing to dive into it again more or that side of it is because of what how Freddie says he uses. And I'm like, all right, yeah. Freddie's using it. It's good well, enough for me. Well, here's the thing: so. I went through the whole process of figuring out do I want to do any of this stuff, and unfortunately. What people don't understand is in within 10, 10 years, within the next 10 years, it will be 150% all yeah. cloud-based. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the reason being is so many people are using the QuickBooks online or some online service that they see the whole desktop concept pointless. It's worthless. They're really basically doing it because of the older generation and unfortunately, the next generations who are running these businesses and everything else are all doing everything paperless, online. They want to be able to travel from their phone to their computer, to their, their iPad, their tablet. It's just everything's going to be more cloud-based, which is scary in one sense. But at the same time, it's like everything's becoming that. So no matter what, either you jump on or you just write everything down. You know, I, I, think, I think the cloud-based thing is a really good thing, uh, but... Uh, Give you an example, the last company I worked for, I mean, we were running, you know, installation crews, we had project managers, you know, we had all that stuff. We had people that did nothing all day long but input information, data entry, 
into our project management and and finance package. It was all one thing. It was kind of combined into one one software thing. Mm-hmm. So we had one, two, three. We had three people. That's all they did was put that information into the system. Yeah. I, so it can be looked at. The advantage to that though is that it's not not cloud based and it's it the information is you know is private. Mm-hmm. And not everybody has not everybody has access to it. With a cloud based thing, you know, it's the whole can it be hacked. And again, that scares me. But I I agree with you, Freddie. The the keeping everything on paper or, you know, digitally on local computers, I think is going to go the way of the dodo. Mm-hmm. I agree yeah, with you. I'm sure there's going to be a time where that won't be recognizable, actually. Like they'll say, no, that's not good enough type thing. Eventually it's going to get there. Um, but, I don't think it's there now. No, um, it's not. But yeah, 10, 15 years, probably mm-hmm. everything. I mean, it's... Now, there's probably going to be a time where when we go to do things on our computers that you're not actually going to have a program or whatever on there. It's just going to be you're going to be somewhere else doing it. But that's the whole nother mm-hmm. trail we're getting. But. Yeah, I don't think we want to go off in the weeds that far. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Freddie. You know, the cloud based stuff, having everything in, in one source and just having access to it from another source is a pretty good thing. Um, the way a lot of people are running businesses now is that everything is paper-based and it's mostly because, you know, they, they have, let's say, you know, I'll go back to this example of the last company I worked for. Not only was the software package several hundred thousand dollars, we had modeled our business around using that software package Mm -hmm. because we had paid so much for it. Not only did we pay the initial money up front, but there was also a monthly maintenance fee, which was like $10,000 a month. We paid this company for support Hmm. and you have to have it. So there's a huge expense. And like I said, we had modeled the way that we did business around that software package. It was kind of like the tail wagging the dog. But we, you know, when, when I was put into that situation, when I, when I started there, one of the first things I had to do was learn how their software worked because you can't understand how the business works until you understand how the software works. And when these companies are that ingrained into that system, it's very, very hard, especially a large company. Now, I'm not talking about the small business, but a large company it's very hard for them to migrate from one system to the other because it's not just an accounting thing. It's how we do business thing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's why a lot of people are reluctant to change the way they're doing things. I'm sure you've heard it all, this all the time. Well, we've been doing it that way for years. We don't need to do it differently. Right. right. And there, there's, a, there's a mindset of that out there. But in some cases, it's, it is justified. We're on this whole keeping track of things, right? How do you guys go about keeping track of like your emails and things like that? Text messages. Do you have a way to categorize that stuff or it's just, you're not getting a ton of it. So you don't have to worry about it. I get a ton of email and what I do is I use outlook and I just flag it 
if I know I need to respond to it. Okay. I mean, it's pretty simple and it puts it in my to-do list. And then I can just go to my flag to-do list. So I need to answer this email. I need to answer this email or whatever. That's how I yeah. do it. I, I think for me, my biggest, so e emails, I don't get a ton of emails. I get emails, but not a ton of them. Um, and then they're more or less, they, they stay in order. So in other words, if I have a job, I can just put that person's name in the search and I'll find it, whatever. The, the issue I have is when it comes from other areas. So if I start getting text messages and then I start getting confused, like where was that information? They told me something, right? Mm -hmm. um, which I, me personally, I hate using text messaging for business or even I absolutely despise using Facebook Messenger for business, which I get people more and more. It's I'm getting that right. It's like, oh, they want to contact me through Messenger. Can you do this, this and this? And it's just a horrible service in my mind. But then recovering the information, let's and, and that's how I am with jobs or let's say it's it's four or five months away. Right. I got all the information up front, which is fine in an email. And then if I have to go back and look at it six months later through text message or, or instant messenger or Instagram, it's just really hard to, for me to find that information. Whereas an email, I can just search it. Right. So I, that's, that is another issue that I seem to run into. Like a uh, centralized communication hub. Can't you just tell your customers yeah. that, you know, now that we've contacted through Facebook, you know, everything needs to go through this email address and don't give your phone number out that can be texted to or just say my phone number doesn't accept tax. Yeah. Yeah. And I do do that. Um, and then I keep getting instant messages. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah. The, 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 and it's hard to tell the customer don't do that anymore. More or less. Yeah, and that's this, well, yeah, this, and we'll, we'll talk about the whole phone calls after hours type thing, but whatever. Well, that's another show as well, but yeah, keeping track of that stuff, I find, to be a little troublesome as well. Um, mm -hmm. what, what about you, Freddie? Because I know you you said before you do a lot of texting with your customers. And... Um, so basically, I I have my my text messaging connected to my Google um, Gmail account, so text messages can be saved there. And then I have a folder for the customers I'm working on who send me a lot of texts who are, who are very involved and who are very detailed. I automatically just make a folder for them. So I have hundreds uh -huh. of folders and then I put that all down there. I pay a monthly fee for all the data I use on my Gmail and Outlook account because there's just so much that's there. And uh, it's still only like two bucks a month or a dollar a month or whatever it may be. So I have all the folders there and everything's listed there. So I keep track of everything. And then, you know, we start off, many people start off on Facebook Outlook, and then I, I simply then copy and paste the whole conversation in an email, and I send it to them saying, here is what we discussed on Facebook, so now we have a permanent copy, and we have something to reference, and this will be classified in your folder under my Outlook email, and uh, I'll keep a copy of this forever. Um, so there's that option. And then depending on if it's extremely detailed, like I have one client I'm working with in Connecticut that's like, you know, 
it's between twenty and thirty thousand dollars worth of work of repair work that basically every conversation I printed it out and has a form and it's highlighted and it's detailed. And I quickly have the capability of referencing that and I have the capability of scanning that in case she needs a copy again, even though I sent it to her. Um, so I always keep it that way as well. Um, and it's time consuming. And the problem with me is every single person that say, oh, I have this piece and they try to describe it. And then my next response is, well, can you email it to me? And their next response is, um, can I just text it to you? And I was like, yeah, here's my cell phone. Mm-hmm. So now what? there's a new app that I got with this new system that I got on my phone. And the future outlook is that you'll be able to soon use the app um, to receive text to your landline. Uh, so right now I have the capability of using my Comcast landline. I can use the app and call from my cell phone as a shop phone number. I can pick up the phone when I activate the, the, um, the app. So when the phone's ringing and if no one's here or if I don't want someone else to pick up my phone and uh, I have the capability of picking it up from my cell phone. Um, so the outlook for that concept is very handy and sooner or later than i would say delete the cell phone from your memory and i would only accept a shop phone number now when you use your your gmail do you use outlook to access your email or do you use the gmail interface online i have the outlook because i have a mac um so everything is just sent to that but uh there are times i still reference it especially since the the furniture repair shop, it's a separate email. I just directly go to a Gmail to that because I don't want to get uh, confused in someone who's an old client from my from my previous business name. Um, so I, and I don't want them to know my personal email. So I now just use uh, the furniture repair shop directly on Gmail. Yeah, because I've got three email accounts that I have. I've got my personal one. I've got the YouTube one and then I've for Gmail and I've also got the one for my web page. And uh, I just do it all through Outlook. So it's all in one interface. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. I flag something, doesn't matter which account I flag it from, it just automatically goes to my to-do list. So I go to my to-do list, you know, every morning, that's what I do is email. I spend about an hour doing that. But most of the stuff I get emailed about is not customer based it's you know social media based i know that sounds horrible uh or weird but you know i just i just get a ton of questions about a video i did or question about this that or the other thing and uh it it's a lot it's a lot of work (laughs) keeping track of that stuff but i think for me microsoft outlook is like one central place where i can put everything Accept texts. Yeah. And I didn't know that because I have a Gmail phone number. I'm wondering if I should tell people to text me on that. If it. Yeah, I would, I would suggest forward that. to my, if I can forward it to my phone and keep a record of it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I don't have a I, reason to, to keep most of those texts is the thing like you guys would. But there has to be some, I, I, something out there that centralizes all this stuff for you. I just don't know what it is. Yes, I agree with you. Um, like, and I may have said this to Freddie as well before. I also have a Gmail phone number, right? And it 
transcribes everything that gets either texted to it or somebody leaves a message on it. And then it also is set up so that it forwards it to my cell phone. So if that somebody calls it, mm-hmm. theoretically, it should be going to my cell phone. Sometimes it doesn't, but that's where it goes because otherwise it's just a fake phone number in the middle of the cloud. <laughs> but, yeah, I have one of those um, too. I didn't know you. I didn't know people could text to it though. Yeah, I yeah, you can, that. and you could text people from it as well. I can use it on my phone and actually text somebody through it. Does it go through the app on your the regular messaging app on your phone, or is it a different? No, no. So you go to Google Voice, you can send the text message from the phone number that you're using on Google Messenger or Google Voice, okay. right? And then that's actually sending somebody a text that way. So let's say I wanted to text you through it, Guy, you would get my Google Voice phone number mm-hmm. coming up on your text message. Okay. And then it actually sends an email, just like Freddie said, it transcribes that email over to you. Well, or that's, that's, copies good. It. that's a good thing. Yeah. I just don't use it that much, but it's there. But. Anything else I need to know? Um, you know, we're we're basically just brushing the surface. Service surface. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot more that you can dive into this. There's a lot more information that you know. If you want to set this up properly, uh, I do highly suggest doing this as quickly as you can. If you're going to do this professionally, you know, if yeah. you're just going to do this on the side part time, there's probably not that much concern. But, um, and I, I, I think that's part of my, was my issue was that I started on the side and it was working. Right. And then I went full time and it was still kind of working, but now it's, I'm at the point where it's just, there's just way too much happening for me to mm-hmm. the last couple of years. It, it's, it, it's needed to happen probably really, really needed to happen three years ago. And I just keep putting it off. And now it's at the point where it, it, I just can't go around it yeah. anymore. I, when I, when I first started doing this, well, you know, a l- almost two years ago, um, I realized that, you know, I have to keep track of this stuff because if you don't, you know, like for me, let's say I wanted to go out and, you know, buy a new car. Mm-hmm. I have to have tax records. Yeah. And just yeah. say, you know, well, I'm going to hide all my money and do all that. You have to have a recording of it. Uh, especially if you want to get, you know, any kind of loans or credit or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So that's another important thing to consider. And when you walk into a, a place and you apply for credit and you say, well, you're self-employed, they're going to ask for a couple of years of tax records mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you have to give it to them. Even if you don't show a profit, they don't care. They just want to see something that you're actually doing this and, you know, paying your bills. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I'm going through it now with the fact that we're buying a house, but yeah. So you know what I'm talking about? They yes. want all your tax records. Yep. So yeah, do it right away. Start keeping track of everything you spend on your business and how much money you have coming in. You know, the, the uh, right. And, and like, I, I'm sorry to cut you off already, but like, like I said, I do keep track of it all. It's just, it's pen and papers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ish, ish, it, pen and paper, right? It's just, yeah. I, I, I just think it'll simplify my life, and then the, the, the idea that uh, overpaying things that I shouldn't have to overpay for. So, at the end of the year, yeah, especially tax wise, you don't want to give the government more than they deserve. Yes, right. I think <laughs> I am. I think, I think they're making out with me. Well, so. it's kind of, one, yeah. it's kind of one of those things that you know, it's almost the point that you are better off owning a business and paying 
some money, but compared to what my other half gets for tax removal from her yearly and how much it cost her, it she I think I think is highway robbery for what she has to pay in taxes. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The small amount that I pay in comparison is like mind boggling. That that right there makes me tell go get an account. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah it's crud- crazy. Because be, be, well, no, be, because of the fact that uh, I, I was speaking with my father the other day, and it's just like, why am I doing this? I need to go work for somebody else, right? Because it it, it it's insane. But, no, if the, if you're thinking that, then it's a hundred percent that you're doing it. You're doing it difficult. There's there's an easier way yeah. of doing it. There's more that you can write off. There's more that yep. um that you sh- that you can take off the books. You're still paying for it, but you don't have to pay taxes for it. There's a lot more. Right. And your accountant, if it's really good, she says, "No, this is what you got to do. You can write that off. You can write that off. Oh, you're wearing these boots only for work every single day. You write that off. Write that off. Oh, you need this suit for work events." And you simply need this, or that's a write-off. You know, my accountant is literally telling me, why aren't you writing that off? Is this personal or is this for business? I tell them, you know, mm-hmm. X or Y. And then the same thing with my mileage in my vehicle. I, I have an app. You know, everyone's scared of like, oh, my God, they're keeping track of you. Like, they're keeping track of everything. Like, I don't, you know, listening to us is, is never going to change. They know anything and everything always. So mm-hmm. I have this app that records my mileage and I can go personal or business. And my accountants then just gets tapped into that. I send it off to her. She knows how much mileage I got written off. It can show the government exactly where I went and why it's called business. So in case mm-hmm. I'm audited, there it is, proof. So every- so that, 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 that QuickBooks Online sounds like for 30 bucks a month, it sounds like a very, very good deal for everything it does. Oh, God, yeah. So you would highly recommend it. That's the bottom line of this. You would recommend clicking online and taking a look at it. Uh, I do QuickBooks Intuit online. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's what I. Have. Yeah. yeah, whatever. It's whatever. It's, it's it's called QuickBooks or it's called well Intuit is the company, right? Yeah. Intuit's the company. It's QuickBooks self-employed. Is that the one you I have? Freddie? The uh, QuickBooks Pro. Okay. Yeah. Or, I don't it's have called QuickBooks uh, Plus now but it used to be called quickbooks pro because okay. now you know they have the right now their options are three options there's simple start for like seven dollars a month essentials for twenty dollars a month and plus for thirty dollars a month and the plus for what i do with subs it's the only option okay cool i'll do more looking into it it's gonna happen good it is happening. Get with the program. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Do we want to do a took of the week? Yeah. That's, I was just like, what is that? It's tool of the week. <laughs> tool of the week. Freddie, go ahead. Uh, my tool of the week is the three CFMs uh, vacuum pressing systems that I got. Uh, it works spectacular. I wish I bought it sooner. It's only cost me $528, I think it was. And I even got a bigger bag because he lost, he didn't lose, but he lost track of his inventory. And I got an even bigger bag for the same price. What size did you get? I got one that's 54 by 127. Oh, wow. Yeah, nice. for the same, that's, 
Big. Four by ten. That's the same nice. yeah. same price for the four forty eight by ninety seven. Did you get the the vinyl or the polyurethane bags? I got the cheaper version. Vinyl. vinyl. Yeah. I, I I have vinyl. I've never had an issue. No, with I never vinyl. never have an issue. You know, the only ones that have I've seen people have issues with it's that they don't round over the corners and they leave something sharp. And it's like, dude, like or they jam in the bag. And I'm just like, you know. Yeah. That's that's the only way. I have an old bag that I did mm-hmm. tear. That that's what it was. I jammed something in the bag and it tore. So yeah, I've duct got, tape. I've got a couple patches on my bag. It's no big thing. No, you know, it comes with a patch kit. The the, <laughs> the funny part is, um, they the people who makes the bags for them, they used to be less than two miles up the street from me, but they they relocated. <laughs> um, so it was kind of like small world. Like I could have just picked up everything up to street yeah so. I, I, I have the vacuum press system and it's it's really nice yeah i, lo- it's, I it's love a, it's it a good, it's a good it's a good system. you know i, I thought yeah. i was not gonna like the three three cfms because i've been used to the six cfms but sometimes what happens is when it's sucking down on a on a six cfms it's just like oh wait wait i want to move this i need to adjust this because something had moved and sometimes it's like shit open the bag um Versus now, that's a good. Point. Now it's like no, I still have plenty of time. I can move this. All right, okay, I'm, I'm oh, all right. We saved it. We don't have to open the bag. Yeah, but I, 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 I have the same problem too, and I just shut the pump off mm-hmm. when that happens. Stuff does get misaligned sometimes as the pressure comes down. And the six CFM, which is what I have, you're absolutely right. It does just all of a sudden. Like, oh, oh, wait a second. Yeah. You got to turn it off and go back in the bag and and change. But that doesn't happen that often. But when that, it does happen, it's annoying. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's a good point, Freddie, because I never thought about it. Because I have the one where I built my own yeah. pump, and that's probably around the three CFMs. Uh, whereas I do have the six CFM pump, and that thing is, yeah, it it sucks down, and you're like, whoa, no, it's way too fast. Yes, sometimes but, it's just too fast for me. You know, I don't know if it's because as I get older to guys' age that I don't have enough speed or what, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> not gonna let that go, man. He's just not gonna let it go. I got a tool for a week. My belt sander. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had to I had to fit that uh that bench against like a really, 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 really crooked wall. <laughs> and that's what I used the belt sander to get it to scribe in really nice with. It just it's a nice fast way for fitting things for scribing lines, right? With just a, a 50 grip belt or whatever on there, just remove it because you can do it with a hand plane, but sometimes there's a lot you need to remove and it's not worth using a jigsaw or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. the old Makita belt sander. Yeah. I have a, a tool of the week, which was, I was, I said, I'm building the, the prototype for this thing right now. And I had a, clamp it to my bench to do a certain operation and it kind of like bothered me unclamping clamping unclamping clamping so i just made a really quick um vacuum clamp mm-hmm. i just took a board and drilled a couple holes in it and put some closed cell uh, seal around it and just hooked up my vacuum pump to it and boom 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 just a foot switch undoes it it's it's a wonderful thing. Did you, did you get vacuum clamps with yours? 
Thanks, no, buddy. I do not. And honestly, I don't know why I would need them. You want to share your knowledge right now? Well, like, for example, I, for this thing, I was putting a bunch of dominoes yeah. in, almost into something. I had to put like 40 domino holes. And to do it, I have to hang it off the bench because you can't reference off the bottom of it. You have to reference off the top yep. for what I was doing. And it was just a pain in, pain in the butt. I got you. You know, clamping it down to the workbench, putting another piece on, clamping it down to the workbench. And it took me like five minutes to make this jig. And all it was was a, <clears throat> was a board. I drove the hull vertical and horizontal. And I took some closed cell uh, um, stripping. weather stripping, thank you, okay. uh, that I have in my, my closet. And I just put it around there and you hook your vacuum pump up to it. And I've got a little foot switch that I bought with my, my vacuum press. Mm -hmm. And it sits in between the two. And you, know, you turn your pump on continuous run and you just put the piece right on top of it. And it just sucks it down. Wow. I guy, I've always seen that and thought, I don't need that. But you know what? It just dawned on me where I could use that and I'm gonna make it now. Whenever I do like I don't know, like I just did these doors with the rails where they were really long, they're a pain to clamp. Yep. And then just then hold on to them and everything. Yeah. I'm gonna make one and do that. Yeah, that's you, a brilliant idea. You can take and then make two of them and put one on mm -hmm. each end and then put a yep. a pipe in between them and clamp those down to your table. And then just put the long board on it. You know, I've, I use my my vacuum clamps all the time. And I've got some of the the ready-made ones, you know, like the aluminum blocks mm -hmm. that from VacuPress also. And those are great, man. I'll just throw that on my bench, and it actually on my assembly table because it's got a pretty good surface on it. It'll suck down to my assembly table, where I don't even have to clamp it down. Nice. So I can just throw something on top of there, you know, do edge routing, scraping, whatever. And uh, it's really handy. And I've, I built my vacuum pump into my assembly table. So it's there all the time. All I have to do is hook up a power cord to it and hit a button. Hmm. The cord is right there. So it's, it's pretty slick. But I mean... It, the 10 minutes I say, the 10 minutes I spent putting that jig together probably saved me a half hour of time clamping and unclamping. Of yeah, course, no, I believe it. The annoyance for factor. For as many times as I build doors and things like that stuff, uh, I'll make the jig. Or, what do you, yeah, I'll make the little thing. And, yeah. hmm, good idea. All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, Guy, where can you be found? Guyswoodshop.com. Send me an email and I'll flag it. <laughs> Freddie? You can find me at period crafts with an S and men with an E dot com. You could find me at JD fine woodworking at gmail.com. You can find all of us at the ATG podcast uh, at gmail.com or on our website, which is the ATG podcast dot com. All right. One of these days, I'll remember all of it smoothly. <laughs> all right. Till the next episode, I will chat with you guys later. All right. We'll see you guys later. See ya. See ya. Wait, I got to go back in here and stop this.